Chapter forty seven of Framley Parsonage by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter forty seven Nemesis. But in spite of all these joyful tidings, it must alas be remembered that Poena, that just but radamantine goddess whom we moderns ordinarily call punishment or nemesis when we wish to speak of her goddessship very seldom fails to catch a wicked man though she have sometimes a lame foot of her own and though the wicked man may possibly get a start of her in this instance the wicked man had been our unfortunate friend mark robarts wicked in that he had wittingly touched pitch gone to gatherham castle ridden fast mares across the country to cobbold's ashes and fallen very imprudently among the tozers and the instrument used by nemesis was mr tom towers of the jupiter than whom in these our days there is no deadlier scourge in the hands of that goddess in the first instance however i must mention though i will not relate a little conversation which took place between lady lufton and mr robarts that gentleman thought it right to say a few words more to her ladyship respecting those money transactions he could not but feel he said that he had received that prebendal stall from the hands of mr sowerby and under such circumstances considering all that had happened he could not be easy in his mind as long as he held it what he was about to do would he was aware delay considerably his final settlement with lord lufton but lufton he hoped would pardon that and agree with him as to the propriety of what he was about to do on the first blush of the thing lady lufton did not quite go along with him now that lord lufton was to marry the parson's sister it might be well that the parson should be a dignitary of the church and it might be well also that one so nearly connected with her son should be comfortable in his money matters there loomed also in the future some distant possibility of higher clerical honours for a peer's brother-in-law and the top rung of the ladder is always more easily attained when a man has already ascended a step or two but nevertheless when the matter came to be fully explained to her when she saw clearly the circumstances under which the stall had been conferred she did agree that it had better be given up and well for both of them it was well for them all at framley that this conclusion had been reached before the scourge of nemesis had fallen nemesis of course declared that her scourge had produced the resignation but it was generally understood that this was a false boast for all clerical men at barchester knew that the stall had been restored to the chapter or in other words into the hands of the government before tom towers had twirled the fatal lash above his head but the manner of the twirling was as follows it is with difficulty enough said the article in the jupiter 
that the church of england maintains at the present moment that ascendancy among the religious sects of this country which it so loudly claims and perhaps it is rather from an old-fashioned and time-honoured affection for its standing than from any intrinsic merits of its own that some such general acknowledgment of its ascendancy is still allowed to prevail if however the patrons and clerical members of this church are bold enough to disregard all general rules of decent behaviour we think we may predict that this chivalrous feeling will be found to give way from time to time we hear of instances of such imprudence and are made to wonder at the folly of those who are supposed to hold the state church in the greatest reverence among those positions of dignified ease to which fortunate clergymen may be promoted are the stalls of the canons or prebendaries in our cathedrals some of these as is well known carry little or no emolument with them but some are rich in the good things of this world excellent family houses are attached to them with we hardly know what domestic privileges and clerical incomes moreover of an amount which if divided would make glad the hearts of many a hard-working clerical slave reform has been busy even among these stalls attaching some amount of work to the pay and paring off some superfluous wealth from such of them as were over full but reform has been lenient with them acknowledging that it was well to have some such places of comfortable and dignified retirement for those who have worn themselves out in the hard work of their profession there has of late prevailed a taste for the appointment of young bishops produced no doubt by a feeling that bishops should be men fitted to get through really hard work but we have never heard that young prebendaries were considered desirable a clergyman selected for such a position should we have always thought have earned an evening of ease by a long day of work and should above all things be one whose life has been and therefore in human probability will be so decorous as to be honourable to the cathedral of his adoption we were however the other day given to understand that one of these luxurious benefices belonging to the cathedral of barchester had been bestowed on the rev mark robots the vicar of a neighbouring parish on the understanding that he should hold the living and the stall together and on making further inquiry we were surprised to learn that this fortunate gentleman is as yet considerably under thirty years of age we were desirous however of believing that his learning his piety and his conduct might be of a nature to add peculiar grace to his chapter 
and therefore though almost unwillingly we were silent but now it has come to our ears and indeed to the ears of all the world that this piety and conduct are sadly wanting and judging of mr robarts by his life and associates we are inclined to doubt even the learning he has at this moment or at any rate had but a few days since an execution in his parsonage house at framley on the suit of certain most disreputable bill discounters in london and probably would have another execution in his other house in barchester close but for the fact that he has never thought it necessary to go into residence then followed some very stringent and no doubt much needed advice to those clerical members of the church of england who are supposed to be mainly responsible for the conduct of their brethren and the article ended as follows many of these stalls are in the gift of the respective deans and chapters and in such cases the dean and chapters are bound to see that proper persons are appointed but in other instances the power of selection is vested in the crown and then an equal responsibility rests on the government of the day mr robarts we learn was appointed to the stall in barchester by the late prime minister and we really think that a grave censure rests on him for the manner in which his patronage has been exercised it may be impossible that he should himself in all such cases satisfy himself by personal inquiry but our government is altogether conducted on the footing of vicarial responsibility quod facit per alium facit per se is in a special manner true of our ministers and any man who rises to high position among them must abide by the danger thereby incurred in this peculiar case we are informed that the recommendation was made by a very recently admitted member of the cabinet to whose appointment we alluded at the time as a great mistake the gentleman in question held no high individual office of his own but evil such as this which has now been done at barchester is exactly the sort of mischief which follows the exaltation of unfit men to high positions even though no great scope for executive failure may be placed within their reach if mr robarts will allow us to tender to him our advice he will lose no time in going through such ceremony as may be necessary again to place the stall at the disposal of the crown i may here observe that poor harold smith when he read this writhing in agony declared it to be the handiwork of his hated enemy mr supplehouse he knew the mark so at least he said 
but i myself am inclined to believe that his animosity misled him i think that one greater than mr supplehouse had taken upon himself the punishment of our poor vicar this was very dreadful to them all at framley and when first read seemed to crush them to atoms poor mrs robarts when she heard it seemed to think that for them the world was over an attempt had been made to keep it from her but such attempts always fail as did this the article was copied into all the good-natured local newspapers and she soon discovered that something was being hidden at last it was shown to her by her husband and then for a few hours she was annihilated for a few days she was unwilling to show herself and for a few weeks she was very sad but after that the world seemed to go on much as it had done before the sun shone upon them as warmly as though the article had not been written and not only the sun of heaven which as a rule is not limited in his shining by any display of pagan thunder but also the genial sun of their own sphere the warmth and light of which were so essentially necessary to their happiness neighbouring rectors did not look glum nor did the rector's wives refuse to call the people in the shops at barchester did not regard her as though she were a disgraced woman though it must be acknowledged that mrs proudie passed her in the close with the coldest nod of recognition on mrs proudie's mind alone did the article seem to have any enduring effect in one respect it was perhaps beneficial lady lufton was at once induced by it to make common cause with her own clergyman and thus the remembrance of mr robart's sins passed away the quicker from the minds of the whole framley court household and indeed the county at large was not able to give to the matter that undivided attention which would have been considered its due at periods of no more than ordinary interest at the present moment preparations were being made for a general election and although no contest was to take place in the eastern division a very violent fight was being carried on in the west and the circumstances of that fight were so exciting that mr robarts and his article were forgotten before their time an edict had gone forth from gatherham castle directing that mr sowerby should be turned out and an answering note of defiance had been sounded from caldicott's protesting on behalf of mr sowerby that the duke's behest would not be obeyed there are two classes of persons in this realm who are constitutionally inefficient to take any part in returning members to parliament peers namely and women and yet it was soon known through the whole length and breadth of the county that the present electioneering fight was being carried on between a peer and a woman miss dunstable had been declared the purchaser of the chase of caldicott's as it were just in the very nick of time which purchase so men in barsetshire declared not knowing anything of the facts would have gone altogether the other way had not the giants obtained temporary supremacy over the gods the duke was a supporter of the gods and therefore so mr fothergill hinted his money had been refused miss dunstable was prepared to beard this 
ducal friend of the gods in his own county and therefore her money had been taken i am inclined however to think that mr fothergill knew nothing about it and to opine that miss dunstable in her eagerness for victory offered to the crown more money than the property was worth in the duke's opinion and that the crown took advantage of her anxiety to the manifest profit of the public at large and it soon became known also that miss dunstable was in fact the proprietor of the whole caldicott's estate and that in promoting the success of mr sowerby as a candidate for the county she was standing by her own tenant it also became known in the course of the battle that miss dunstable had herself at last succumbed and that she was about to marry dr thorne of greshamsbury or the greshamsbury apothecary as the adverse party now delighted to call him he has been little better than a quack all his life said dr filgrave the eminent physician of barchester and now he is going to marry a quack's daughter by which and the like to which dr thorne did not allow himself to be much annoyed but all this gave rise to a very pretty series of squibs arranged between mr fothergill and mr closerstill the electioneering agent mr sowerby was named the lady's pet and descriptions were given of the lady who kept this pet which were by no means flattering to miss dunstable's appearance or manners or age and then the western division of the county was asked in a grave tone as counties and boroughs are asked by means of advertisements stuck up on blind walls and barn doors whether it was fitting and proper that it should be represented by a woman upon which the county was again asked whether it was fitting and proper that it should be represented by a duke and then the question became more personal as against miss dunstable and inquiry was urged whether the county would not be indelibly disgraced if it were not only handed over to a woman but handed over to a woman who sold the oil of lebanon but little was got by this move for an answering placard explained to the unfortunate county how deep would be its shame if it allowed itself to become the appanage of any peer but more especially of a peer who was known to be the most immoral lord that ever disgraced the benches of the upper house and so the battle went on very prettily and as money was allowed to flow freely the west barsetshire world at large was not ill-satisfied it is wonderful how much disgrace of that kind a borough or county can endure without flinching and wonderful also seeing how supreme is the value attached to the constitution by the realm at large how very little the principles of that constitution are valued by the people in detail the duke of course did not show himself he rarely did on any occasion and never on such occasions as this but mr fothergill was to be seen everywhere miss dunstable also did not hide her light under a bushel though i here declare on the faith of an historian that the rumour spread abroad 
of her having made a speech to the electors from the top of the porch over the hotel door at courcy was not founded on fact no doubt she was at courcy and her carriage stopped at the hotel but neither there nor elsewhere did she make any public exhibition they must have mistaken me for mrs proudie she said when the rumour reached her ears but there was alas one great element of failure on miss dunstable's side of the battle mr sowerby himself could not be induced to fight it as became a man any positive injunctions that were laid upon him he did in a sort obey it had been a part of the bargain that he should stand the contest and from that bargain he could not well go back but he had not the spirit left to him for any true fighting on his own part he could not go up on the hustings and there defy the duke early in the affair mr fothergill challenged him to do so and mr sowerby never took up the gauntlet we have heard said mr fothergill in that great speech which he made at the omnium arms at silverbridge we have heard much during this election of the duke of omnium and of the injuries which he is supposed to have inflicted on one of the candidates the duke's name is very frequent in the mouths of the gentlemen and of the lady who support mr sowerby's claims but i do not think that mr sowerby himself has dared to say much about the duke i defy mr sowerby to mention the duke's name upon the hustings and it so happened that mr sowerby never did mention the duke's name it is ill fighting when the spirit is gone and mr sowerby's spirit for such things was now well-nigh broken it is true that he had escaped from the net in which the duke by mr fothergill's aid had entangled him but he had only broken out of one captivity into another money is a serious thing and when gone cannot be had back by a shuffle in the game or a fortunate blow with the battledore as may political power or reputation or fashion one hundred thousand pounds gone must remain as gone let the person who claims to have had the honour of advancing it be mrs b or my lord c no lucky dodge can erase such a claim from the things that be unless indeed such dodge be possible as mr sowerby tried with miss dunstable it was better for him undoubtedly to have the lady for a creditor than the duke seeing that it was possible for him to live as a tenant in his own old house under the lady's reign but this he found to be a sad enough life after all that was come and gone the election on miss dunstable's part was lost she carried on the contest nobly fighting it to the last moment and sparing neither her own money nor that of her antagonist but she carried it on unsuccessfully many gentlemen did support mr sowerby because they were willing enough to emancipate their county from the duke's thraldom but mr sowerby was felt to be a black sheep 
as lady lufton had called him and at the close of the election he found himself banished from the representation of west barsetshire banished for ever after having held the county for five-and-twenty years unfortunate mr sowerby i cannot take leave of him here without some feeling of regret knowing that there was that within him which might under better guidance have produced better things there are men even of high birth who seem as though they were born to be rogues but mr sowerby was to my thinking born to be a gentleman that he had not been a gentleman that he had bolted from his appointed course going terribly on the wrong side of the posts let us all acknowledge it is not a gentlemanlike deed but a very blackguard action to obtain a friend's acceptance to a bill in an unguarded hour of social intercourse that and other similar doings have stamped his character too plainly but nevertheless i claim a tear for mr sowerby and lament that he has failed to run his race discreetly in accordance with the rules of the jockey club he attempted that plan of living as a tenant in his old house at caldicott's and of making a living out of the land which he farmed but he soon abandoned it he had no aptitude for such industry and could not endure his altered position in the county he soon relinquished caldicott's of his own accord and has vanished away as such men do vanish not altogether without necessary income to which point in the final arrangement of their joint affairs mrs thorne's man of business if i may be allowed so far to anticipate paid special attention and thus lord dumbelow the duke's nominee got in as the duke's nominee had done for very many years past there was no nemesis here none as yet nevertheless she with the lame foot will assuredly catch him the duke if it be that he deserve to be caught with us his grace's appearance has been so unfrequent that i think we may omit to make any further inquiry as to his concerns one point however is worthy of notice as showing the good sense with which we manage our affairs here in england in an early portion of this story the reader was introduced to the interior of gatherham castle and there saw miss dunstable entertained by the duke in the most friendly manner since those days the lady has become the duke's neighbour and has waged a war with him which he probably felt to be very vexatious but nevertheless on the next great occasion at gatherham castle dr and mrs thorne were among the visitors and to no one was the duke more personally courteous than to his opulent neighbour the late miss dunstable End of chapter forty seven recording by nick whitley purley united kingdom